Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today. And as you can see, I have on the uh, set with me again today my oldest son, Jeremy, who is the pastor of Word That Frees, Winchester, Virginia. Uh, if you are in the Northern Virginia area, and within driving distance of them, you need to go by and be in one of their meetings. They meet on a Monday night uh, in the Woodsman of the World building on Boundary Road in Winchester, Virginia, and there will be information uh, on their website uh, uh, as to when and how to contact them. Uh, I might also say that both Jeremy and I travel some, and so, you know, we are coming to a city near you uh, at some point, and uh, if you watch uh, continually our website, we don't put it on our television program, but you can go to our website, and our itinerary is usually listed there for weeks in advance, and uh, we would love to meet you in one of our meetings and have you come uh, be a part of uh, one of our meetings. We have been sharing from the book of Matthew, and uh, we've been actually dealt, Jeremy and I, with the fourth, fifth, and sixth chapters of Matthew. And uh, last week we connected Luke, the 11th chapter, which was Luke's gospel version of Matthew 6. And we're going to come back there for one more segment this week. But if you have missed any of these uh, programs, uh, you can go to our YouTube page and you can watch on YouTube and uh uh, they are archived there as well as all the programs we have aired to date are there on uh, that on that particular uh, YouTube page. There's a link to it directly from our website at lenhiles.com. And uh, also there is the uh, podcast or, uh, if you will, the audio uh, portions of that that's on iTunes. So avail yourself to that and uh, you can uh, come back and review many of the things that we've said because we've covered a lot of territory. Uh, today I want to come back into the 11th chapter of Luke and uh, kind of maybe slow down a little bit and deal with a few more things in Luke 11 uh, that we kind of were really forcing to get into the program last week. But we're going to read uh, from Luke the 11th chapter because this is really the version, this is really the same situation as Matthew 6 is talking about what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I want to especially look at this week the fact that he says if a son will ask, you know, uh, if a son will ask, he'll receive. Jesus was the son that prayed this prayer, and I submit to you that Jesus, or that God answered Jesus' prayer when he prayed the Lord's Prayer. This was actually the Lord's Prayer as he was teaching them how to pray. And so he was teaching them how to pray. Now, uh, don't get legalistic about that and say, well, you know, Jesus prayed, God fulfilled the Lord's prayer, and so the kingdom came, and we don't need to pray that anymore. Uh, I think that's an error in the sense that the kingdom did come, but the kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. So, we, you know, we kind of get nitpicky about mm -hmm. things. You know, it's amazing to me how legalistic people in grace can get about about grace, get legalistic. Yep. And so we, you know, if they, every song we sing this don't have their buzzwords in it, they want to correct you. But I want to come back and just look at this and, and uh, let's just jump in here in a few minutes, Jeremy, but it's good to have you on the program again. Good to be here. Uh, verse 1 says, It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he had ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. He said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven. Now, first of all, again, he's bringing us 
to the understanding that in the new covenant, God is my father. Uh, he says, I, when he got ready to ascend, I am going to my God and your God, to my father and your father. John 14, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So he is introducing some, you said this, I think, on an earlier segment that, uh, beloved, now are we the sons of God. It yeah. does not yet appear. I think the Amplified Bible says, behold, what an incredible quality of love the Father would bestow on us that we should be called the sons of God. So as he's praying, our Father, it's a plural, our Father. Yeah. So I think one of the things that we both said in this segment also is that, you know, uh, prayer is, you know, I, I, said, I said in one of the segments, why would an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing God who already knows what you have need for you ask, even ask you to pray? It's, I think some of it is because, number one, he wants to have some fellowship with us. Yep. And number two, he wants us to operate like sons and operate Father's business. And in order to do that, you've got to get the mind of the Father in prayer. But one of the things he wants you to see is when a son asks, yep. and he wants that demonstrated to the world, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yep. You know, Go I, ahead, jump in. I was thinking, you know, that word prayer, you know, we, we, we come from such a religious culture that it's like buzzwords. Yeah. Things become buzzwords, and so uh, the moment certain words are spoke, our mindset goes to what we've always been taught that buzzword means. And you know, in prayer, when Jesus is speaking here, prayer had been where they they're out in the the community, they're wailing, they're you know they're bowing and all. You know, they had a they had in that culture at that time when Jesus they had certain ways of doing mm -hmm. things. Uh, it was very routine. It was very. Uh, you know, it was repetition, repetitious, all this. You know, so Jesus, when Jesus comes and he begins to talk about prayer, you know, the disciples asked him, Lord, they, they saw something. You know, Luke says that he, he was in the certain place praying. Jesus mm -hmm. was. Yeah. And his disciples saw him. Now, one of the things that Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, now, you know, go into the secret place to pray. You know, go yep. into your closet, Matthew shut the door. Six, yeah. You know, but, but here his disciples see Jesus praying. Yeah. And there's a response that when they see Jesus praying, they want to be taught how to pray. Uh, as they saw something that was different about his prayer life than what they had uh, experienced up to that point. And so they said to Jesus, teach us to pray. And so I think the word, you know, in prayer here was a word that not necessarily what they had been experiencing in their culture to this point, but they saw something of Jesus that reminded them of what prayer was, but there was something more about Jesus' prayer. And so we hear the word prayer, and we automatically think that's what we do. You know, we, there's, you know, we, we even in our culture today, we have certain ways of praying. Especially you know, when we eat. It's like when we, we eat, say that's you the know, best part, you know. Or, you know, even just our prayer life, you know, we're in church, whatever, you know, it's like every head bow, you know, we're going to close your eyes, you got to, you know, and there's a certain way to do it. But I believe really this word prayer here is that uh, what the disciples are really wanting to learn is a communion. How do we commune with the Father? You know, we hear these words and, and so, you know, like prayer. And our mind goes to a religious thought of like, this is what it means whenever I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really going to just... I need to just get a hold of God rather than just think of it as a time of this is my time to just go into a place where I just want to talk to God and expect a response back. As a father. As a father. I think many times we go in and we, we, we tell him all of our needs, but we never expect a response back. And even sometimes we don't, we're, we're so busy, like you said, you know, we're so busy mm -hmm. 
like the, the, the parable you read where, you know, it's, it's, we're going to constantly knock on the door mm-hmm. until eventually he wakes up, mm-hmm. you know, and come gives us what we need. And so, mm-hmm. you know, even in our prayer life, when we're desperate for God, just like we go into the, the prayer closet, we're going to keep knocking on the door until God eventually responds the way we want him to respond, rather than just take some moments to go in there and say, I, I'm not, you know, one of the things I was thinking in one of the last, uh, the last segments we were doing is that, you know, you say, you know, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And if it's not a good and perfect gift, then it comes from the enemy. Yeah. But one of the things the Scripture says as well is that you resist the devil and he will flee. Yeah. Give no thought, give no place to the yeah. devil. Yeah. And I think sometimes what we need to do is even when we go into our prayer closet and there's things that, we're, that are situations that we're desperate about, I think sometimes we need to, just like you've been talking about closing the door to some things, also just resist it that's, that's and give no place yeah. to it and go into your closet and not even give a thought yeah. about the problem, but give a thought towards God yeah. and, and give some time to just commune with Him and say, you know what, I'm not going to give no thought to the, pro- to the problem, I'm going to give thought to the provision. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give thought to the one that provides and the one that, that, that every good and perfect yes. gift comes from. Yeah. And so when I get my mind on Him, I begin to talk to him. I believe in those times of communion, not just prayer, but communion, where we talk and respect and expect the response from God. That God begins to give the answer to the problems. Uh, I said one time, you know, I was in a uh, uh, when I one of the first years of pastoring, I got a call that uh, this lady had who had been to my church a couple times. Uh, her daughter and granddaughters were in a wreck, and, and the daughter and one of the granddaughters was killed instantly, and one of them was on. Uh, they were keeping her on life support. And, you know, so I, I get the call, from, you know, from some people in my church about it. So I went to the hospital. And I had been mowing that day. I'm in jeans, T-shirt. You know, I just dropped everything I was doing, and I just went because I just felt like I wanted to be a support. I get there, and there's some other pastors that were there. And they're, you know, they come from bigger churches in my area than what I have. <laughs> and uh, so they were a little more, you know, prepared to be there. They're in their suits, name tags. They've got everything, you know, it seems like everything is right. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, you know, I just, I feel like I'm like, you know, what is that, a wiener at a steak buffet, you know, you like you just don't feel like you belong there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the, but there was a desperation in the mother's voice of just like, she didn't know what to do about a situation, you know, because the transplant team was coming telling her, you know, there's, there's, there's not going to be anything that happens here, you know, and if we don't go in there, at least if, if we go in, we can save some other lives. But if we don't go in there soon, it's just going to be, there's not going to be any good come from this. And so the mother, you know, she's believing for a miracle, you know, that, that God wants to do a miracle here. And so, you know, I'm sitting in there, and, and she comes into the room, and I'm with this pastor. And of course, he'd already given me his credentials and, you know, made me feel even less adequate to be there. And, and uh, I'm sitting there, and, and this mother comes in, and she just, just distraught. She said, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. And I just dropped my head for a moment. I said, God, what would you do in this situation? And, of course, my first response is like, you know, our, our, our religious response. And that's what Jesus walked into that room. He'd get that girl up from the dead. And I gave a moment for the Lord to respond, and the Lord responded to me. And he said, no, the first thing I would do is release this mother from any guilt or condemnation. That decision she makes is the wrong decision. And, and the Lord began to speak, and I began to speak to this, this mother what the Lord was speaking to me. I said, you know, God's able to do miracles even, you know, it doesn't matter if you tell the transport team to go in there and they take every organ out of her body. God's still able to, he's the one who created those organs to begin with. 
If, if God wants to do a miracle, he'd do a miracle regardless of what your decision is. It's not going to shut down God from doing what he's going to do because he's a good God. And so I just began to encourage this mother that there was no decision that she was going to make was going to shut down God. And in doing that, like, it, it gave that mother just the confidence to go in and make a decision and not feel like she was shutting down her faith or not believing enough for God to do something. It just gave her, it, it put her in another posture. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think sometimes, like I said, we go into the prayer, we go into our prayer life with preconceived ideas or preconceived religious thoughts of like, this is what's going to have to happen, or this is the way I've got to, I've got to bombard heaven, I've got to, you know, mm -hmm. pray for hours until eventually, you know, and, and try and snot until God moves. And hey, if that's the, if, if that's what you feel like you need to do, then you do that as well. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I think what we need to do is just resist the devil. Go in there to our prayer closet and decide we're just going to have a conversation with God and allow Him to respond back. Because, like yeah. I said, in those times, repentance or repentance comes or mind changes come that change our minds about how we need to interact with situations mm -hmm. or how we're going to respond to situations. Uh, you know, one of the things He teaches them, He says, you know, uh, that that you seek first His righteousness and the kingdom. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, when we begin to seek the kingdom and realize that the kingdom is something we're already in, mm -hmm. you know, uh, when, well, see, in he, when he was saying here, thy kingdom come, the yeah. kingdom did come. Yeah. Acts chapter 2, the kingdom came in power when the Holy Ghost came because yeah. the kingdom's in the Holy Ghost. So he did answer yeah. that prayer. We are in the kingdom. Well, what Jesus talks about, you know, in one scripture, he says, you know, outside the kingdom is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And sometimes the weeping and wailing is because we don't realize that we're, we're, we're able to enter into the kingdom. Yeah, we're living we're in able, darkness. We're that's, able not, to, yeah. that's not hell. That's just de that's darkness. That's un no that, revelation. That, that, that's living in a place of despair because we don't believe God yeah. wants to give us something good when, when we're living in the kingdom. And yeah. so everything that, that, that God wants to give and then all things we're praying for, God's already provided for us. Yeah. You know, uh, when, like you said, even in the scripture where Jesus is teaching them to pray, everything that Jesus prays is something that God has already given him. The kingdom's come. Uh, his will is done. The, the, the trespasses have been forgiven. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, his name has been hallowed. All those things have been provided and already accomplished. Because when a son asks for something, there's a difference in when a son asks than somebody that's still believing they're in darkness, that's, that's yeah. trying to produce something from their own righteousness, is that we enter into a different posture through our identity. And in entering into that posture of identity and realizing we're in the kingdom, we're not outside the kingdom. There's no, there's no weeping and wailing here. Mm -hmm. We don't even have to go into our prayer closet and weep and wail mm -hmm. to try to get God to produce something. We enter into the kingdom and realize it's already available. All these things, when you enter into the right posture, the response is all these things shall be added unto you. Mm -hmm. You only have to worry about asking your father. He knows that you have need of these things for even you even ask of him. Mm -hmm. We go into the prayer closet to have communion with God so he can begin to change our mind about how to respond to the situation. Absolutely. And I, that's the whole, the whole context here is he's teaching them how to pray. And he's telling them if a son asks. So he's, he's trying to shift their thinking again. You know, and that's what all four of these programs have been, that you are a son. Yep. You are righteous. You are qualified. Uh, you like the kingdom has come. His name has been hallowed. You know, uh, his is the power. His yep. is the glory. His is the dominion forever. And that you know, he goes on to say that you know he has forgiven us our trespasses. Uh, Paul said, "We forgive even as God, for Christ's sake, has already forgiven us." So everything Jesus prayed for in the Lord's prayer was absolutely answered. You know, give us this day. Our daily bread. That's an ongoing thing. Yep. We shared, uh, you know, last week how that the daily bread is more than a sandwich. 
<laughs> Jesus is our daily bread. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness and they're dead. And so he said, if a son will ask for bread, would you give him a stone? See, the stone, again, the contrast here is uh, everything that he responds, if a son will ask for bread, would you give him a stone? The stone speaks of the law. In other words, would you resort back to an old covenant paradigm and think, no, God is going to give you the pat answer of what you get under the law? Because yeah. what you get under the law is what you earn under the law. Yep. And what you earn under the law, zero. Nothing That's why else. you said we don't play, pray based on how good we are. Nope. We pray based on how good he is. Yep. We don't pray based on the fact that we're servants or slaves. We pray on the basis of the fact that we're sons, and if a son will ask. You know, it's like I said, if, he, if Jesus himself walked in one of our services and said, I'm running the prayer line tonight, everybody in the place be there. Mm -hmm. But see, that same sonship has been conveyed to us that a son is there. We're game changers when we walk in a room. You Christ know? in you, the hope of glory. That's exactly right. And that's one of the things, even what he's talking about, if you ask for uh, you know, bread, would you give him a stone? Because he's talking about, you know, he's the true bread that came down from yeah. heaven. He said, if you'd ask for a fish, would you give him a serpent? And, and you know, again, the, the fish I, I shared last week to me, first of all, was a symbol of Christianity in the early days. But, but the fish, the thing that really hit me about this fish is the story of Jonah. The story of Jonah is the revelation of Jesus. He, Jesus grabbed us himself and said, even as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he said, this is the only sign going to be given to this wicked and adulterous generation. You know, and so he, the picture of Jonah and the, being swallowed by the fish is a picture of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so, what he hands us is not disqualification. He offers us the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to feed on. And again, I shared this last week, but the moment after his resurrection, he appears to his disciples on the Sea of Tiberias, and uh, he's got bread and fish on the fire. He don't have a fishing pole. But he's got bread and fish on the fire. And he tells them, come and die. Come and feed on this. Come and feed, come feed on the true bread that came down from heaven. Come feed on the power of my death, burial, and resurrection. And then he calls them to, to the beach, and, and, and he looks at Peter, and he says, Simon, son of Jonah. Jonah, that's not an accident, man. That just, that to me, that's powerful that he even uses the name Jonah. You're the son of the resurrection. You're sons of the resurrection. There's bread and fish here on the fire. Everything you need is divinely supplied because you're a son. Yep. So what he's saying is if a son will ask for bread, give him a stone. The, 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 the alternative is he's showing you here's what you get under the new covenant. Here's what you probably would have got under the old covenant. You would have got a stone. Uh, under the old covenant, you would have asked for fish, you know, and you got a serpent. Yep. But see, even uh, where it talks about the serpent in the New Covenant, it says that, that he, Paul says, I am worried lest you be beguiled like the serpent beguiled Eve to move away from the simplicity that's in Christ. And one of the things that we put a great emphasis on is preaching the simplicity that is in Christ. And so we're not offering a serpent or beguiling stuff we want to show them the serpent on the pole, yeah. and that is Jesus lifted up to deal with everything that the serpent had that could stop you. Yep. So that, that, that even what the devil throws in your way, Jesus has already defeated. Yep. When the snakes came among them and, and the wilderness journey, you know, he said, take a serpent, put it on the pole, and tell the people, if they'll look, they'll live. And so when I'm asking for a fish, I'm not asking you know, for a serpent on the ground. I want you to show me the serpent's already been dealt with on the tree and feed from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that dealt with my rebellion. 
just like it dealt with Jonas. When he asked for an egg, he wouldn't give you a serpent, or he wouldn't give you a scorpion. And the scorpion, to me, uh, reminded me of where he said, you know, uh, the strength of sin is the law, and what gives death a sting yep. is the law. And so we don't give them law. All that stuff that he's talking about, bread, fish, and eggs, are all powerful symbols of new covenant stuff that we have a right to and access under as, as sons yep. in the new covenant. And the, uh, the other things that he says that you're not going to receive, stones, snakes, and scorpions. You've got the power to tread on serpents and yep. scorpions. You've got authority as sons. What he's doing is teaching the authority of the believer here. Yep. The dominion that you ought to have as a son. And he comes back and says, you know, if a son will ask. So, you know, when I looked at that, I thought, you know, everything Jesus prayed for, hallowed be thy name. John 17, 4, he hallowed it. Thy kingdom come. The Holy Ghost came in power on the day of Pentecost, or the kingdom came, because the kingdom is located in the Holy Spirit. His will being done. Gethsemane, he prayed, not my will, but your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And he did the will of the Father. Uh, daily bread was, uh, give us this day our daily bread. We have a daily relationship now with the true bread that came down from heaven. Forgive us our debts. We have been forgiven, and we forgive in the new covenant beyond the resurrection. Paul said to, uh, we forgive Give even as God, for Christ's sake, has already forgiven us. So we're not forgiving anymore to be forgiven. Yep. We are forgiving because we have been forgiven of much. Uh, his temptation, lead us not into temptation. God does not tempt any man with evil, you know, yeah. uh, in the new covenant. Uh, but for uh, deliver us from evil uh, and from temptation, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So all of those things, that son asked. Yep. That first son asked, and he received. We're sons. We stand in a day now with a better covenant, yep. based on better promises. We can enter our closet. We can shut the door and say, I'm a son. Yep. I believe there are people listening right now that need to understand they're sons. They can yep. lay hands on themselves. They can lay hands on their children, yep. their spouse, not feeling condemnation. We got a few more moments yeah. if you got a few things. But you know, even that, you know, Jesus teaches them and everything that, that you, like you just said, everything that Jesus asked for as a son is given to him. Uh, at, on the day of Pentecost, when, when uh, the Holy Ghost came upon the disciples in the upper room, their mindset begins to really change then from servants to sons. They mm -hmm. realize, hey, we've, we've been given the same power Jesus yeah. had. They walk to go to the, they're, they're walking to the temple one day and they encounter a man who's lame. And when they look upon him, they tell, this, they tell that man that's lame, and he's laying there at the gate called Beautiful, they say, put your eyes upon us. Because what they want them to do is see something that's different. Yeah. I want you to see what a son look looks on like. Us, yeah. See what a son looks like. Because we're going to show you your identity through this as well. Yeah. Silver and gold have we none. In other words, the stuff, that, 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 the tangible stuff that we're, you, we're you take to this temple to try to buy your healing or try to buy, uh, you know, forgiveness for your sin, you know, because that's a lot of what they were doing even when they would beg for those things is so they could buy a better sacrifice. And so John and them sound, you know, silver and gold have we none, but what we have we're going to give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, take up your bed and walk. And so, and they go into the temple running and leaping and, and praising God. In other words, what they did was, in their understanding of their identity, their mindset changed to not just be that this is just for me, 
But this again, this is an export. We're going to we're going to give it to the world as well. That is freely given, just like you know he would say, uh, we're we're going to forgive our debtors even as we've been forgiven of our debts. Just as Christ has given us His goodness, we're going to give goodness to the world too, because that's it's it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, brings bring them into a place of receiving the kingdom. Uh, you know, outside again, if, even if you look at it from this perspective of. This man who is lame, he's laying there at a gate called beautiful, and, and outside the kingdom is weeping and wailing mm-hmm. and gnashing of teeth. You're sitting there every day lame, hoping just for some alms mm-hmm. to get by. But inside the kingdom, you, every tear is wiped from your eye. In other words, you'll, you'll, you, when, you, when you encounter the sonship, when you encounter an identity of sons, and you understand that it's not your righteousness, but you're seeking first his righteousness and the kingdom. It will bring you from a place where you're laying outside a beautiful gate, wishing to come in and be made whole, to a place where you get up and you, you're able to enter into the kingdom, walking and leaping and praising God because something has changed. You've looked upon something that's completely changed your mindset. Absolutely. We're no longer servants. We're made sons. Yep. And what we ask for, it's given to us because if a son will ask, yep. It's given to him, and, and I think even I think the reason that man probably was laying at the temple, he was outside begging for alms, was he was probably a priest who had been disqualified because of his crippledness, and so you know under the old covenant you're disqualified, yep. and the new covenant you've been set up for the miraculous. So look on us, Peter said, and they went in then once he realized who he was. One other thing I was thinking about while you were saying that was that I was thinking about how when he brought them out of Egypt and they fed them or, or even not just Egypt but when Jesus did the miracle of the five loaves and mm-hmm. fish and those 5,000 people he said have them sit down and recline and so the people sat down and reclined he says you know how many loaves do you have and they said you know he said you feed them he, he's basically telling them you go feed them and they're like man there's a lot of people here to feed we've got a lot <laughs> and he, but he, what he's doing is he's trying to show them that they've got the same but the thing I, I was after was they reclined and they sat down. Reclining was the posture of kings. If I think of it lay, laying back in a place of rest and somebody fanning them. When they had, ate the Lord's Supper, they reclined at meat. Because the reason they, ha- they reclined when they had the Passover was to give, get them to lose their slave mentality and get a royalty mentality. So the moment he sat, they sat down and reclined is the moment they were set up for the miracle. The moment they got in a posture of identity as kings and priests, they started breaking bread. Yep. Give us this day our daily bread. Yep. They started breaking bread, and the miracle started to break out. We're just about to run out of time. Uh, I think this has been a powerful series, but I just want to pray, and then, uh, you know, I believe God is going to release something in the lives of His people today. First of all, I believe that God wants to release your identity. And he wants to heal, deliver, and set free. So we just release that in the name of Jesus. We pray for people right now who struggled with guilt, condemnation, fear, bad reports. Lord, right now, shut the door. Shut the door and receive your healing in Jesus' name. We're just about out of time. Take a moment uh, to call that number on the screen. It's really encouraging to us if we find out somebody did receive, somebody got healed, somebody got delivered. Even if you don't sow a seed, that's not the point to us. But if you want to call and, and sow into the ministry and help us take the gospel of grace and the gospel of the kingdom and around the world, we truly need your help. It's, without you, it's impossible to do this. So if the Lord lays that on your heart, please be faithful to respond to his voice. There's somebody standing by right now to take your call. God bless you. The word repentance means to change your mind. 
The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.